mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This Sunday, we continue our sermon series on presiding Bishop Curry's way of love. And the way of love is a rule of life. And a rule of life is simply a way to structure our lives around Jesus and his ways in a practical way. The way of love offers seven practices to go about this. And the seven practices are turn, pray, learn, bless, rest, worship, and go. And so far we have gone through turn and pray. And those are up online from the previous two Sundays if you want to go back and hear those. Today, though, we're going to focus on the practice of learning. Learning involves us to intentionally listen to the word of God in the scriptures. Learning invites us to intentionally listen so that we can then respond, especially to Jesus' ways and teachings. Learning involves us to not only read scripture, but to study it, to listen, to absorb God's living word. Learning invites us to draw near to God so that his word may dwell in us. And when we do this, when we open our hearts and our minds to the scriptures, then we can learn to see God's story and God's activity in everyday life. And to do that, it involves learning with humility. Because it is God's word. We must go to the scriptures with a humble heart so that we may learn from the Lord and allow it to speak into our context and into our daily lives. Learning helps us to be good disciples and to sit at the feet of Jesus, our Lord and our teacher. So let's let's come to the scriptures with a humble heart. In our first reading this morning from Exodus, we learn when the Lord gives what we call the Ten Commandments to Moses. Having freed the Hebrews and those who left Egypt with them, the Lord is now ready to begin forming his people who were formerly enslaved in Egypt into a nation that would conform to his ways. Our catechism says that we learn two things from these commandments. The first is our duty to God, and the second is our duty to our neighbor. Our duty to God means to believe and trust in God. Commandments 1 through 4 define this more practically. For example, the first and second commandments point to how our hearts and our love should be set on God alone, loving God and His ways above all other things that call out for our love and our attention. And then our duty to our neighbors. It means we love them as we do ourselves and to do to other people as we wish them to do to us. Commandments 5 and 10 help us see how to go about this. For example, in honoring our families, in showing respect for life, in being honest, fair, and just, in speaking the truth, and in resisting evil and greed. These laws commanded by the Lord was to define our relationship with himself and with our neighbors. However, if we read just a couple verses further, we see that the commandments are immediately broken. As soon as Moses goes down, the people had already broken the first commandment by making a golden calf and worshiping it. If we read throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we see that Israel as a nation will continue to fail to live up to God's ways. 
Because what we'll see is that justice begins to be perverted. Oppression is pressed upon on the alien and the poor. And then they end up murdering God's prophets who call on Israel to turn away from their evil ways. So you might be asking yourself, if the Ten Commandments were never fully obeyed, are they useful at all? This is where we can learn something about ourselves that we find in Scripture. What the failure to live up to God's commandments in Scripture show us is that sin is very much part of the human experience and that we will need a Savior to save us from our self-destructive ways. Reading the Old Testament is not easy, but if you are willing to listen to God's words behind the confusing parts, behind the human failures, we are able to hear a voice of compassion, a voice of forgiveness, a voice that suffers when the poor and the vulnerable suffer, a voice that calls for justice for those suffering oppression and injustice, a voice that calls us to come back to Him and receive new life, a, a voice that always said it was willing to seek the lost, to heal the sick, to give rest to the weary, to soothe the suffering and to redeem. Now the word redeem, it means to set free and to bring liberation, to liberate. And this is just exactly what God does. God does the most unthinkable act in human history, the most humbling of acts, an act that involved God himself taking on human flesh and all its limitations and being willing to suffer with his people, even if it involved rejection, being shamed, and death. This is an act that, as the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, some saw as foolishness and a stumbling block. Yet it is by this very act of being human and being crucified that we see God's glory, his wisdom, and his strength at full display. Paul goes on to argue that God's so-called foolishness is wiser than any human wisdom. And what some see as weakness is actually God's strength. Learning humbly allows us to see Jesus' act on the cross, not as something foolish and weak, but it allows us to see the truth behind the act, that this is actually God showing the world how true love looks like. How God's love is true wisdom and true strength. It is wisdom because by his act on the cross, God was able to liberate us from the power of sin that had a hold of us, that had a hold of our lives and enslaved us. On the cross, Jesus broke those bonds and kept that were keeping us slaves to our worst selves and that distorted our relationship with one another and with God. But on the cross, the wisest thing God could ever do was also his strength. And that's what we see on the cross, the strength of love, his love for us, his love for human community, his love for all of creation was so much and so strong that he was willing to suffer on the cross to free us and reconcile us back to God and to each other. Jesus was willing to pay the cost of that intense love for us. 
Jesus our Lord took on death to open the door to everlasting life so that not even death could ever separate us from him again. We learn from the way of Jesus how to love properly. Jesus' love looked like loving the poor, like loving those who suffered, like loving those who were oppressed. Jesus' love looked like humbling himself. Jesus' love looked like serving others and not putting himself above even his own disciples. Jesus' love welcomed the stranger and those who were marginalized and invited them to the dinner table. Jesus' love was a love willing to suffer the most shameful death, the most shameful punishment, if it meant freedom for those whom he loved. As Paul says in Romans 13.10, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so what we see in Jesus' love is the fulfillment of the law. And he fulfills the law so that in him we could as well. Let us now turn to our gospel reading where Jesus turns tables, makes a whip of cords, and drives out all the money changers. Because to us it might not seem like a very Jesus thing to do. However, this action that Jesus takes shows us that what was going on in the temple was not God's intended purpose for the temple. In Jesus' time, the temple was a place where religion happened. The temple is the place where the animal sacrifices would happen in accordance with the religious practices set forth by the teachers of the law. The temple was nothing like our modern day churches that are quiet and clean. No, the temple was crowded, it was noisy, it was dirty, and it had animals running around and everything that comes with that. And so to keep the temple operating this way, it would have required around hundreds of priests checking the animals for any blemishes or sacrificing the animals that were brought to them uh, in the temple. Jesus, The Jewish people scattered all over the Roman Empire would have made the trip to Jerusalem, especially on Passover, which is, which is where this is taking place during Passover. And so that means that the temple would have been extra busy. The money changers mentioned were there to convert the currencies for all those coming from all over the empire. And they were also there to sell animals to those who had traveled so far that couldn't travel with animals. And so we see that the temple was doing its work. It was making religion happen. This, however, was not the intended purpose of the temple. God's intended purpose for the temple we can see in Exodus 25:8, which was to dwell among his people. And also in Isaiah 56, 7, we see that the temple was to be a house of prayer for all nations, a place where all people would be able to come to make burnt offering and sacrifice to the God of all nations. The temple was supposed to be a place for all people. The temple by the time of Jesus though, had become a place where religious elites had set up so many religious barriers that even the physically sick were not allowed to be in the temple. 
women were not allowed to go to the temple. Those considered unclean or sinners by the religious leaders were not allowed to go to the temple. Non-Jews were not allowed to come into the temple. The temple did do religion well, but it lacked in fulfilling its true God-intended purposes. Because what we learn from Jesus' action in the temple is that when we see Jesus turning tables and driving the money changers and the animals out the temple, is actually Jesus cleansing the temple so that it may become what God had always intended it to be. Jesus cleanses the temple out of love so that those truly coming to the temple could do more than just religion. So that those who would come to the temple would be able to dwell with their God who loves them. From the other gospel writers, we know that after this event, Jesus spent every day in the temple teaching day after day until the day he was betrayed and crucified. God's plan to dwell with his people in the temple was fulfilled in Jesus. And from here on out, God's people would no longer need the temple. The temple had served its purpose and it was always meant to be temporary. Because what the temple always pointed to was to a time where God would be able to dwell with his people. And the physical temple was always liable to destruction. But unlike the temple, Jesus could never be destroyed. Unlike the temple, Jesus would be able to raise from the grave on the third day as we hear in our gospel reading today. And this is the good news of the gospel that Jesus offers that same everlasting resurrected life to all of humanity. God would dwell with his people forever because of Jesus' loving act on the cross. Nothing could ever stand in the way between us and God ever again. Not even death. And we know that because Jesus was not kept in the grave by death. But he rose again. And this is good news we cannot know without the scriptures. This is the good news that without being patient and humbly coming to the scriptures and listening to God's voice, we would never know. Learning calls us to seek God's voice in the scriptures, to see, to sit at the feet of Jesus as his disciples did and learn from Jesus himself about the good news and of how to follow his ways. Jesus calls us to a life of freedom, to a life of healing, to a life where we love God and we love neighbor. A life that goes beyond just being religious. A life that goes beyond the church buildings and its door. A life that continues even if the church buildings close, like the way we were closed the last year. Jesus still calls us to follow him, to follow his way, and to live out his way in our daily lives and then together in community. COVID and Zoom did not stop us from living our life as a community of Jesus. The Lord never stopped calling us to follow him. And so it is to the scriptures we must seek to, to hear his voice that calls us to serve him and to serve others. 
It is to the scriptures we learn to recognize the voice of Jesus, even in the midst of all this craziness that we've been through the last year. It is to the scriptures where we can find the God that has the power to transform, to heal, and to liberate. And so this Lent, why not pick a book of the Bible to read, or a letter of the apostles, or a gospel of Jesus, and read through it, reflect on it. Or you can also join us in our weekly Bible study and sit at the feet of Jesus together in community. Whichever you choose, the practice of learning calls on us to open our hearts and our minds to the Lord so that we may dwell with God and He with us in our daily lives. Learning calls us to go beyond just being religious. It calls us to sit humbly at the feet of our Lord Jesus who calls us to follow Him into new life into a life of freedom because of what he has done on the cross, to follow him into a life of love because it fulfills the law, so that we might dwell with our God and have everlasting life with him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for revealing yourself to us. To revealing that your ways are ways of wisdom, are ways of true strength. For revealing to us that love fulfills the law. Set us free from the powers of sin in our lives. Help us to see that love that calls us back to you so that we might find new life in you, Lord. And may your Holy Spirit dwell with us so that we might partake of that resurrected life with you and dwell with you forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Those who delight in you will surely stand, help me desire.